This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, my morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. And uh, we're a nice, crisp little morning today. Let me see if I can see myself somewhere in uh, my uh, searches here. Um, now, here we go. I want to see the chat room, and I'm looking at chat room. Uh, the um, There we go. Thank you very much. Beginning to see the chat room. A couple of things. Hello. Good morning. Lloyd's early to class. Lloyd Bailey's early to class today. Thank you for coming in and watching, Lloyd. Always appreciate having you. And um, all the others who may be checking in in a moment. Uh, we're in the um, Manly Warthog Man Cave inside the Melton Law Studio. One of our great sponsors, Melton Law, is a full legal service with 50 years of experience and is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. And, of course, um, crime prevention. Our good friends there who protect us 24-7, 365. And uh, you may... Hire them at cpss.net. Check out the mugshots, which we post every day. And uh, we're in partnership with the Lodger Chronicle on that. So, And the Sheriff's Department cooperates with us because, you know, the woke generation decided it was a stigma to uh, put the mugshots out there. After all, these are not bad people. These are just people who are down on their luck. That was the philosophy, I guess, behind the whole censorship of, of the um, – world of uh, criminals. And speaking of censorship, I want to, once again, uh, as you check on, uh, let you know that we have been banned for the rest of the year from YouTube for violating their community standards. Their community standards essentially uh, consist of anything that challenges the narrative about the election. And we've had shows where we've had guests and We do believe in free debate. We do believe in exchange of opinions. And that's what it should be about. But yet, if you offer an opinion that is contrary to the narrative, acceptable narrative, and probably this all started with both with Obama, who began deliberately writing and distributing to the gullible media the narrative he wanted to write about the country. Um, It probably started there, but it's been totally picked up by the tech companies. And uh, we have been taken off the air by YouTube. But do not uh, uh, concern yourself with that. We have gone to Rumble. And I want to advise you to uh, sign on to Rumble, download the app. It is a free speech uh, host. And I want you to be aware of it. I want you to patronize it. And when you go there, I want you to be one of our followers. And the more followers we have, the more we can spread the conservative voice free of censorship. So... Um, rumble.com will get you there right now. And if you do a search for Ward Scott Files, you'll get to us. And the more we get on there, instead of um, YouTube, which you can't get on and watch, 
uh, the more followers we'll have and the quicker you'll be able to scroll us down on the search. So I'll repeat that as the show goes along. It's a little bit more expensive. We have to, you know, pay to go to these services. And, um, um, you know, but I'm committed to keeping the voice going as long as uh, we have uh, sponsors and we have donors. And the donors help a lot, particularly when these expenses go up like this and we have to shift uh, platforms and um, a whole bunch of things get involved. So uh, I want to applaud our support production team here or really, and also Lisa Renshaw of Blue Dove Design, who hosts our website, working together the last few hours and days to make this transition. And we're in the business right now of archiving all the shows and storing them in the cloud eventually someplace safe where these sensors can't take them down. So I want to give you an update on that and um, let you know that we sort of fight this battle in the front line every day. One of the things that we've been bringing you locally is going to have another chapter this afternoon at two o'clock in Judge Kolaw's courtroom. And that is the Drotos versus uh, uh, Boss Hart uh, saga, story, uh, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's just a mess. It's been going on way too long and it's got all sorts of interesting uh, uh, cul-de-sacs in it and um, espionage interests, and we're going to cover it. Uh, we will be, uh, we plan to be in the courtroom at two, the, two today, uh, and, and uh, we're going to hear what's going on, and we're going to bring it back to you tomorrow. And we've been bringing you all the updates on um, the situation. Many of it is documented and is on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board, and there are a lot of mysteries that re uh, remain. Who in the world called in a SWAT team to go to a commercial business? And then why did they see fit, the SWAT team, to uh, point these weapons in a, in, a, in a way that people thought they might die? Uh, could possibly, things can go wrong. And uh, zip-tied innocent people. Uh, I, I think that the avalanche of lawsuits is just starting. And uh, you're going to see quite a proliferation of them, rightfully so probably. Because how do you give people back their lives who have been caught in the crossfire uh, hairs of this? And that's going to become a story we'll cover. We were the first to cover it. Uh, we cover it in depth that you won't find anywhere else because uh, uh, the printed media just has certain limitations. It just can't go beyond. And that's why we archive, are busy archiving these shows because these shows really are evidence of the culture we're living in memorialized. It's kind of like going to, you know, we have a library of Congress. We have libraries at universities. I've created the library of the Ward Scott Files, which has on it discussions all the way back to 2012 when I first got into the radio world. And we started the show over there with uh, Dr. Bozeman, my good buddy, my great compadre, the maestro. And then uh, we got, of course, uh, swapped out of that for uh, uh, electronic music and electronic music was deemed to be more profitable than what we do here. And indeed it is practically any other form of show other than political talk, unless you make it to the very, very top echelons, um, make any money or make any kind of a profit worth the energy. So to me, it is an extension of teaching and 
this is a classroom, and those of you who come are uh, uh, welcome to take notes and do what you may with them. Uh, and you're always willing to uh, criticize or debate or come back and say, well, you know, I see it a different way, Ward. Um, one of the things that I want to uh, keep you up to date on then is that we have a situation where uh, um, uh, it's developing and it's going to have another installment this afternoon. Now, I got to talk to production a moment. I uh, sent them a picture. Did uh, production, did you get the picture I sent in my notes today? See if of the, can you put that up there on the screen, please? Thank you. I'm going to put up on the screen here a picture that a lot of people have drawn my attention to uh, that is kind of funny. Here is Governor DeSantis standing behind the podium with the President of the United States seal on it. Back behind there, of course, is Nikki Fried Fried Frazzle, whose political camp world is finished. Um, she's kaput after this. Uh, you'll say sirenara to her. She won't be around. And there's Uncle Joe. You never quite know what's on Uncle Joe's mind, but there is Governor DeSantis uh, behind the podium with the President of the United States seal. So I just wanted to put that up there for you because much has been made, quote unquote, of the cooperation uh, between DeSantis and Biden uh, in efforts to help out with the horrible after effects, of course, of the storm. So, uh, uh, you know, the media tries to politicize just about everything it can get. I see some uh, uh, thumbs up coming up the side of the screen here on that, but uh, <laughs> we put it up there for a moment for you. Um, and the devil made me do it. I'm sorry. I suppose the censors will come and grab it as false information. I can see how they would think of that. You know, Ron DeSantis is not the president of the United States. Um, and that's false information. That's against our community standards. Well, I didn't take the picture. Uh, the picture's out on the AP wire. You gotta, I, I don't know. What are you going to ban the picture? It's quite possible that that can happen. You know, uh, they've shut down the Biden story, uh, the Hunter Biden story, all but, you know, put that under the rug. So um, <laughs> these are the times we live in, and it's a constant 24-7 fight. So um, we're keeping our head above water towards God Files. As I say, go to rumble.com instead of YouTube, and you'll find us right there with all the same availability that you found on, on YouTube. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a chore translating over the next last couple of days, but uh, we've all worked together as a team to make it happen. Um, so that is the state kind of uh, a world uh, that uh, we're living in. The national world is, I want to, I spend a lot of time on this today because it is, it is something that you have to think about, even though you, we don't want to. And that is, is the world at a precipice uh, of World War III since American leadership is missing? Now, American, if you don't believe American leadership is missing, Saudi Arabia just gave Biden the international fighter pilot salute when Biden uh, begged uh, the, the Saudis to open up the spigots on the oil to cover his bottom, having shut off our spigots to, act, to, to appease the, the climate changer people. Well, Saudi Arabia gave Biden the international fighter pilot salute 
and shut down production not one million now, but two million barrels a day. Now, you're going to see that at the pump because Biden can't catch up with that. And I'm blaming Biden directly. The first thing he did when he got in office was shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Um, and ever since then, it's been a total enraptured fascination, a devotee of the climate change uh, hysteria. So where are we? That is provoked. And there's many people analyzing this. And uh, our own Ted Yoho wrote a piece for the Washington Times and looking at this unprovoked invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And where in the world uh, did it come from, the feeling that he could get away with it? The point is that many observers are making is that we have a vacuum of American leadership uh, so that uh, Xi Jinping uh, 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 of the Chinese Communist Party uh, can feel that he can uh, threaten Taiwan. We've got the North Korean bully firing missiles over Japan. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine here in America? uh, You know, we're in kind of the the flight path where we are here uh, in North Central Florida of the planes descending into land at the Gainesville Aeroporto. And we know when they come over. And yet you kind of know that something's going overhead. We hear helicopters. Hey, how about if you had missiles fired out your house from uh, a, 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 an enemy country, which is what's happening in Japan? Um, this is the saber rattling that's going on as American leadership is being tested. So you got a Qing, uh, a, a Xi Jinping uh, of China um, testing uh, the waters for Taiwan. You send old Pelosi over there trying to make a visual statement, if you can believe it's possible, which most people, I suppose, in, in uh, the CCP wouldn't take very seriously. Um, and then, of course, you've got Putin, who thinks that we are absolutely in the West so decadent and so discombobulated and so impure and so ingrained with self-fighting and self-criticism and deprecation that we ain't going to do nothing. And he can do what he wants to do. So there's not been, uh, Ted Yo and I talked about this yesterday, and Ted has talked about it in his piece, not since the end of World War II uh, has there been such a strong militarization uh, uh, between a couple of powers like this? And the only thing holding in bay right now is probably NATO and our sending uh, material in there to support Ukraine. So um, Putin is uh, trying to recreate, I covered this several times on this show, uh, what he views as his lost motherland, He's never recovered from the breakup of the Soviet Union. And his motive is to um, recreate Mother Russia. And, you know, I've always been interested, by the way, in these mother and father. Germany, it's the fatherland. In Russia, it's the motherland. I don't think we have got that in our vocabulary. And even if we did now, I thought about this. Wouldn't the transgender LGBTQWXYZ people object to us calling our land either fatherland or motherland, which to my knowledge, we've never done. But if we were to do so, 
I think Putin's point would be made. You would see the LGBTQWXYZ come out in hysterical, hair-pulling uh, reply to the fact that uh, the, the land had a sexual identity, a uh, biological uh, male and female identity, uh, that they would go berserk. So Russia, motherland, Germany, fatherland. So uh, this has always been the case since I've been aware of these nations um, and back beyond me, of course. So uh, the, the whole uh, response there by Putin is based upon the, and his allies are Saudi Arabia and Iran and China. And, and uh, the, his eye is on Finland and those, those Scandinavian places that are right across the, the border from him that he needs to suck into his world also. Now, um, there is um, um, the same provocation then, if you take a look at the world's, you kind of look at these puzzles that come out of a box when you're a kid and you have to put them all together. So you get a big dining room table or something and you start putting these tiny little pieces together to this puzzle and it takes you a week to do it. This is kind of where we are with the world right now, putting these little pieces of this puzzle together. And a couple of big pieces are uh, the relationship, of course, and attitude of Xi Jinping with Putin and Taiwan, and then, of course, down to Iran and the Ayatollahs. And then really, much of the pivotal relationship here are with Saudi Arabia, because they're holding all the fossil fuel cards now that we've been hoisted on our own petard and decided that we will purge ourselves of that nasty oil. That's just made us dependent on others, and it's weakened the world. It's made the world susceptible to, uh, to, to uh, uh, blackmail, really, uh, in terms of energy. Certainly, Putin now can use natural gas and shut it off. Uh, that leads to depletion of food supplies. So it is a, a really dangerous place when American leadership is weak, Ted Yoho observes, as do many of us, and it's lost its focus, and therefore it creates a vacuum. Now, I, I don't know how you feel about uh, leadership, and I am an alpha dog guy, okay? And let me, there's always going to be a leader. There should be, and if there's not, you've got chaos. You know, I have had Rottweiler dogs, and at one time I had one which really was incredibly difficult to control. He weighed 120 pounds. He was athletic. Uh, you know, if I took his bowl away from him, he growled at me as a puppy. Um, so I went to a local trainer here, and I said, who trained the police dogs, and I, I asked, you know, what can we do? He said, oh, we can train that dog. And when we get finished training him, if you don't like having him around, we'll take him in the police force. And so I asked if he was a bad dog. And he said, no, he's not a bad dog. He's a dominant dog. He is the one that's going to dominate all the other dogs. The only way you can control the dominant dog is to dominate the dominant dog. And the way we did it is we put a chain around that dog's neck with prongs in it and if he oh, and put him on the leash and walked and if he misbehaved i yanked on that chain and tightened it around those prongs dug into his neck now you say what does that do to an alpha dog 
That reminds the alpha dog, believe it or not, of his mother, because that's the way the mother controls the dog. If the puppy misbehaves, the mother picks that dog up by the nape of the neck and shakes it and lets it know, son, I can kill you, but I won't if you behave. And the dog goes limp. You imitate that in trying to train. You don't break the spirit of the alpha dog because you can't. All the alpha dog will do is reciprocate with more of his aggression. What you do is you let him know that his aggression can never top yours. And your aggression can dominate his, just the threat of it. So after that, you don't even have to use it. You don't even have to use it. I never had to use it again on him. He knew it. He knew I was the alpha dog. Now he wasn't. One time I took him to a vet to have him get his shots and all. And I asked the vet, are you going to be able to handle this dog? It was a female vet that probably didn't anything to do with it. And she says, oh, yeah, we've got big guys here who handle these tough dogs. And I said, okay. I said, when can I come back and pick up the dog? And they said, oh, around noon. Well, a little bit before noon, I called and said, is the dog ready to be for me to pick up? And the vet said, well, we really would like it if you would come down here and help us with the dog. That dog, two big guys who handled big dogs could not control, could not control that dog. That dog fended them off. He didn't respect them. I walked in that room. He respected me. My point is, this is exactly the way international diplomacy works. And you can have your own opinion about it, and that's fine, but this is the way it works. Now, outside the B-52 SAC bases, Strategic Air Command, is a saying, peace is our profession. Why is a nuclear-armed B-52 an agent of peace? Because it threatens you with really elimination. The problem with this particular style of dominance is it also would consume us as well. And this is where we are in the dangerous cards of today. It is really quite much uh, consternation for the world's leaders. I want to hearken back to something I lived through with you, uh, I li with you that I lived through. And uh, that was, of course, um, of the days of, of um, Cuba, Cuba, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, there is a, 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 an enduring, there are some enduring lessons from the Cuban Missile Crisis that are just now coming to light. Um, Peggy Noonan wrote about them a while back. And of course, I was working at Martin Marietta Missile Factory as a 19-year-old kid. I was going to a college in Orlando to junior college there and working at Marietta Missile Factory. I'd already been to Florida for a year. And then I'd come home to uh, work and, and make some money and get a job. And I worked at Martin Marietta. And I remember... Uh, the, the missile factory, of course, was we had to have security clearances and um, we were we were, you know, very much involved in what was called the Cold War. Warner von Braun would come there. The president came there one time. Um, we fed 10,000 people at lunch 
That's uh, how many people we had there, 10,000 employees. And I remember the day that we went on nuclear alert. And the men who I'm, whom I work for at the missile factory were all World War II vets. And buddy, they had long faces. They were really, really worried because we were going to stop uh, the Russian ships on the high sea and demand that they turn around and take those missiles that they were going to aim at us, which Castro had begged be aimed at us back where they got them from. You know, it just about made a nervous wreck out of, out of uh, Kennedy. And now that's sort of coming out through library, website, transcripts and tapes and documents, how this crisis played out. And Peggy Noonan says, what strikes you as you read them is uh, the fact that how desperate and groping through uncharted territory Kennedy and his advisors were, the whole world was, because they just had never been there before, never been down that road before. One of the transcripts of a White House meeting the morning of October 16th, which was the first day of the 13-day crisis, was the Secretary of State, Dean Rusk. Mr. President, this is, uh, of course, a serious development. It's one that we, all of us, had not really believed the Soviets could carry this far. And the president began to ask why the Russians would do it. Um, you know, how do you plumb that mind? Um, uh, Rusk thought uh, that it might be that Nikita Khrushchev lived under the fear of U.S. nuclear weapons in Turkey, and he wanted us to feel the same anxiety. Um, we already knew, apparently, where most of the missiles and launchers were in Cuba, but we did not know where the nuclear warheads were or even if they had arrived. So we didn't know if we should attack the bases. This whole thing, all this turmoil, Bay of Pigs, the whole thing, really shows you the brink of failure, the failure of brinkmanship because of the uncharted territory. Um, if the United States attacked the bases, should they warn us so Soviets first they were going to? Uh, we've got Putin rattling sabers right now that he will use uh, nuclear weapons on his, uh, uh, in, his in his attack. Uh, and, and, and he's being, uh, he's really been kind of embarrassed because he has got a retreat of his people from land he thought he'd conquered. And that has not been a good thing to do with an animal is to corner it and then risk it. It will flare out at you and become desperate and do things that it wouldn't perhaps even normally do. So JFK didn't know whether to warn the Soviets, warn anybody, announce anything. Uh, the tension in their voices on these transcripts, Noonan says, is enormous. Uh, JFK, it turns out, secretly taped all of his conversations, every conversation JFK ever had. We always thought it was just Nixon who did it. But JFK taped every conversation he had in the White House. So probably not a bad idea, particularly with uh, the things we've got going on now. But what it's allowed us to do is to uh, look at this frustrating decision making and how it played out at the highest level 
with the highest possible stakes. Um, JFK even called Harold Macmillan, the British prime minister, and asked that they encourage the Soviets to withdraw the weapons to help the Russians save face. Uh, Macmillan offered to immobilize Thor missiles, shut down the Thor missiles in England to appease the Russians temporarily anyway, uh, to defuse and encourage constructive action. Um, the big focus was on the big strategic nuclear weapons. And uh, we didn't know and couldn't have known how many smaller tactical ones Khrushchev had already sent to Cuba. Uh, we didn't even know if there was a Soviet commander there. Um, we didn't know if we bombed the missile sites instead of using naval blockades, um, what Khrushchev would have done. You know, he banged his shoe on the podium in uh, the UN and said, we'll bury you. He was really upset over that thing under Eisenhower with the uh, 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 Francis Gary Powers U-2 plane being shot down over his territory. Um, you know, the end of the story, eventually Khrushchev withdrew the missiles. Now, that really kept Russia still as an enemy all the way up to Gorbachev. And Gorbachev and Reagan really brought down what was called by Khrushchev, by Churchill, the Iron Curtain. So um, JFK admitted, ha had to sort of admit to Khrushchev that the Bay of Pigs was a mistake. Now, this is a terrible moment as far as I'm concerned. Certainly the Monroe Doctrine doesn't mean anything anymore, um, except Reagan exercised it. Um, JFK, who I always thought equivocated too much, uh, really was too indecisive, um, maybe even too young to be the president. Um, he admitted to, it comes out, turns out now, to Khrushchev that the Bay of Pigs was a mistake. And he repeated it. He, he promised Khrushchev, get this, Kennedy promised Khrushchev he would never invade Cuba. I don't know if he ever asked the Cubans about that. Cuba right now, you see what it is. This is back in the early 60s. This is 60 years ago, just about 60 years ago. Look what we got. And so JFK promised Khrushchev he would not invade Cuba. He also secretly promised, and get this, that he would take U.S. missiles out of Turkey that we were using to uh, confront uh, or hold at bay Russia. Um, Ramsey Samurai told me that, and you know, he worked for um, President Bush, and Ramsey was in charge of nuclear nonproliferation, told me that the night that Obama was first on television, Obama announced how many nuclear weapons we had, and Ramsey about went through the ceiling. He said, you never, never announce that. So my point in all this is that I don't think you can be an alpha dog and be an appeaser. Now, you can be, oh, you know, perfectly kind to the dog that you're the alpha dog of. My dog and I got along great uh, once he understood who the boss was and never had any problem with him again. Loyal, loyal, loyal. And 
But if I'd appeased and equivocated and let him think possibly he was on the same ground as I was, neither one of us would have come away from that the better. So this was pretty interesting to realize how close we were to nuclear war at that time. And now the nuclear capabilities we have. I had some mariners in my class when I was teaching college who had retired, and they would secretly tell me that there is enough nuclear capability on one nuclear sub that we have to induce nuclear winter. These submarines, these nuclear subs, are loaded with MERV warheads that splinter like Fourth of July fireworks. And when they go up, they multiply, if you will. Nuclear winter would be that cataclysmic end to the photosynthesis of the uh, globe because the sunlight would be blocked out by the atomic dust. Therefore, all plant life would die. Therefore, all that which depends upon life, uh, plant life would also die. I guess it's about 77 years since that happened, according to the calculations here. Well, we're going to take a break. I'm going to come back and sort of see where we are now. I'm very interested in this dilemma. I've been looking at it for a while and studying it. And you know me, I'm a professor. I'm a research professor. I uh, try to pass along to my students the froth of my investigations. But uh, uh, hopefully they're beneficial to you. The, uh, Thai, uh, the, the, the Taipei Times, uh, Ted Yoho also printed an article in there, an editorial in there, in the, uh, in the uh, Taipei Times of, of Taiwan uh, about this very dilemma that we're in now focusing uh, just on uh, the relationship of Taiwan with China and how there has to be uh, the leadership vacuum needs to be filled. And we're, we don't want it filled by somebody else. We better have it filled by us. Right back on the Ward Scott Files in just a moment. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com. 
and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Word Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back to Word Scott Files, and we are doing the uh, weather report here. Thank you for the support from the Lewis oil business with Linda Lewis since 1962. It's really a a very thriving operation, a very good friend, very uh, significant supporter of ours. We appreciate that. But the weather we've got to report is, unfortunately, they fall out of the storm mostly. And um, there's still a potential hurricane risk over the Western Caribbean right now. Um, The homes in Florida are unlivable in the swath of this thing. We've seen Publix and we have to give them applause sending food and all there. We know we've got um, a whole crew here from uh, our sheriff's department who has gone to help yesterday at our Crime Stoppers board meeting. Uh, we didn't have our normal uh, representatives from the sheriff's department. Uh, they were already in South Florida. So, It's going to take a lot of effort to get this thing straightened out. Pine Island residents have begun cleaning up total destruction left by. There's a 138-year-old lighthouse, which you may have seen pictures of. Uh, There there were buildings around it. My wife has been to that lighthouse. I may have been to it. I don't recall. Um, But um, uh, there's nothing around it now but the lighthouse. It's somewhat damaged, but it's still standing. Um, it's it's a it's quite a it's quite a quite an event that's going to be quite a serious. Um, by golly, the insurance business was already clinging by its fingernails, and now this is going to really even make it more impactful, even to those of us who are not in the way of the storm. So um, we've got all that as news. You'll be hearing all day. It was fifty six degrees here this morning in uh, the land, the area around here in the Warhol Command Center. It's going to get up to about 85 today. Um, tomorrow is homecoming in this town, uh, Gainesville, and it'll be good weather. Uh, it, it's, it'll be a delightful homecoming day, a nice crisp um, um, day for parades and and a typical fall kind of atmosphere. So enjoy that. If you do like to go to catch the homecoming, that's certainly something that is a kind of a pagan ritual here in this community. Um, so we... Uh, take a look at the radar here real quickly for you and in our area and the state of florida is pretty clear 
And one of the things we've noticed, those of us who've lived here all this time, is after these storms, things get kind of all the get get remarkably different, cooler and uh, humidity is low and all the above. So if I'm looking at the map of Florida, it is really basically the radar shows us is absolutely precipitation free. So what an irony. You know, we just came through. Uh, but you have to figure it. Where else could it get rain? It just dumped as much as it could possibly ring out of the heavens, I suppose. Thank you, Lewis, all for giving us an opportunity to talk about that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, how the climate has figured into this analysis that I just gave you uh, about. Um, uh, you say climate. How has the climate got anything to do with the threat of nuclear war? Well, let's talk about that for a moment, because I think this should be in today's class. I'm looking at a crystal ball. That's the title of today's show. Looking, looking at a crystal ball to see where we're headed. Now, we didn't have all this climate hysteria back 